Welcome to episode 232 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your host, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, we review the magic round. We discuss the departure of Trent Barrett from the Bulldogs. We discuss the WA Bears and much, much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 232 of the Rugby League Republic podcast. We aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T, and joining me is Tish. Tish, are you feeling magic after that magic round? Abracadabra, I am, Dr. T. I am. (laughs) I am. I I feel like I've been, uh, you know, sawn in half. And put back together again. I've uh, I've uh, went into a box, come out as a rabbit, come back out as a tiger, and then became myself again. But yeah, what a great magic round, and what great ramifications after the magic round. Uh, I think we've got our first victim of the 2022, um, you know, uh, rugby league cycle of, <laughs> you know, like you know, like the uh, the the first elimination in this. Uh, in this, in, in this uh, was it Magic Round or Squid Games? I'm not squid really game. sure. <laughs> yeah, Squid Games, or you know, I'm trying to yeah, yeah, like a like a reality TV show that is rugby league. And you know, this is simply crazy. It was a great round. We actually saw one v two, and um, you know, it's funny. This weekend uh, coming up, we're going to see one v four and two versus three. So um, absolutely Ooh, going wow. crazy, yeah. And um, you know, the only thing that's disappointing is that this week is the election, Doctor T, on Saturday. But there is, you know, the Sharks are not playing the Rabbitohs. You know, the two candidates um, each have their own team that they barracked for because they're both New South Welshmen. And uh, yeah, we don't get to see those two teams head to head. I don't think they've actually played each other yet. So yeah, I'm kind of disappointed that because uh, like. We could have decided the election based on on that match alone, you know, Rabbitohs v v Sharks. That's right. right, Well, now we're going to have to do what they do in the soccer and get that bloody octopus to work out (laughs) (laughs) which which one the winner is going to be. Anyway, look, yeah, magic round. I mean, look, uh, and the greatest magic trick of all was Gus Gould pulling Barrett out of the Bulldogs. Uh, Wow, yeah. Sorry. It is, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, Rabbit out of hat, Barrett out of the Bulldogs. But look, yeah, unbelievable. Uh, yeah, the ramifications, as you said, so many that we've got two tackles to talk about it. That's mm. how much that's how much is coming out of it. But we are going to talk about the rest of the games as well in brief because there's a, there's a lot more to talk about. So let's just launch right into our six tackles. And tackle number one is the review of round 10, a.k.a. the Magic Round. Right, here we go. So I'll go through the scores quickly and then we'll uh, pick up where are our highlights of the round. Quite a few to talk about. So Newcastle Knights kicked off with a 16-6 win against the Bulldogs. The Broncos, unbelievable, 38-0 against Manly. Uh, of course, the Friday night game there. Um, 
South Sydney, 32 against 30, uh, the, the New Zealand Warriors, 30. Uh, the great escape there, I, I tell you. The Titans, 20 to 16 against the St. George Illawarra Dragons. The Panthers, defending premiers, flogging the storm, 32 to 6. A, a huge upset, I would say. A bit of an unexpected uh, score there. Um, the Raiders, 30, flogging the Sharks, 10. Uh, the Roosters, 31, uh, over the Eels, 24. And finally, the Cowboys flogging the Tigers, 36 to 12. Tish, uh, a lot to talk about. There were uh, there were some great escapes. There were some floggings. There were some unbelievably lopsided scorelines. Uh, what was your, in your opinion, what was the highlight of the round? Okay, well, now as you were reading out the scores and as I was actually remembering what, I mentioned before the magic round. Uh, I'm just going to change what I feel to be the highlight because for me, I think the highlight is that I have been proven right um, regarding the move, the silly move the Cronulla Sharks did, moving their halfback to fullback for no reason. <laughs> yeah, doing a Brad Arthur on themselves and look doing a at Brad the Arthur. Result. I was going to say. <laughs> I was gonna say, doing and look at the results. So, so you know, so there we go. So, like, um, now I just forgot the player's name, but uh, you know, Nico Hines. That that knows it. He yep. was fullback, yep. of course, last year, but he was the run. He was the one running the ship. Um, you know, you know, for for the uh, for for the Cronulla all season, and then um, you know, you have a few injuries, you have a few people out, and you take your best player who gets to run the team. And you disrespect him by putting him at fullback, right? Absolutely dog move by the coach. I don't know what uh, what happened, uh, but man, like you know, like that that was that was terrible, and that was the result. And uh, you know, I'm just having a look at the team sheet. I'm just thinking, are they doing the same thing here? Um, oh no, he's been moved. He's been moved back to halfback. He's been moved back, so he has done a Brad Arthur. It was. Uh... <laughs> Look, yeah. it's 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 a look. I know Brad Arthur's been around, so it, I could hardly call him an inexperienced coach. But he's mm. not necessarily like a winning coach yet. He hasn't won, you know. So he's not a successful coach in the sense that he's won won a premiership. Uh, and so, who's a Cornell coach? Craig Fitzgibbon. Given yeah, um, first year so as an NRL new, coach. So rookie rookie first mistake, year man. as an NRL coach. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think I just think about it this way. Look, do you? How often do you see the great coaches, the greatest coaches of all time, the ones that you should look up to in terms of how they do things, messing with the winning formula, <laughs> you know, in order to, you know, like, what do they say? Don't weaken your strength to strengthen your weakness. Mm. Um, twice we've seen this in the last three weeks <laughs> that that two clubs have not paid, paid attention to that piece of advice, yep. that sage piece of advice from, look, I don't know who it was. Was it? I've heard Phil Gould say it, but it may mm. have been one of a Jack Gibson Aristotle. kind of. Oh no! Okay. <laughs> the Plato, Plato, one of those. Uh, no, but Tony it Robbins. Jack, okay, yeah. Tony Robbins. Yeah, it could have been a Jack Gibson thing. But look, uh, yeah. Again, uh, Cronulla. Why? 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 Mm. Muck around. You know. You know. It would be akin to uh, Kevy Walters next week taking uh, Adam Reynolds and putting him into lock. <laughs> you know, even even though Adam Reynolds is the reason for the massive turnaround in form yeah. at, at the Broncos. And and I wanted to – I'll shoehorn in my 
that's my highlight of the week. I think mm. I think Reynolds' impact at the Broncos has never been felt as strongly as mm. this weekend. Thirty-eight nil against Manly. Yep. I don't think any of us would have seen that coming. Uh, you know, even if you did pick the Broncos, <clears throat> you know, to give Manly a thirty-seven point head start in the betting would have been un, un, unforgivable, un, inconceivable, as they say. You know. Unbelievable. So, yeah, look, really, Reynolds, I think, has proven that he is the real deal. And, it, you know, it, the, they had the talent. They just needed someone to bring it all together. And that's yeah. the role that Reynolds has played. And he's proven it once again. Let's see if he can continue the form going into the, you know, the tail end of the season. But, look, the Broncos, they're in line for a top eight spot for sure. Um, so, yeah, mm. that's my my highlight of the round. But, obviously, the, the Penny Panthers – Defeating uh, the storm in such emphatic fashion. Yes. Um, look, unbelievable. What can you say? The battle of Luai versus Munster and Luai clear points winner. Um, yeah. You know. Well, uh, there's a story. I mean, we talked about the halfback uh, situation at the Sharks, but also um, Jerome Hughes was out for this match, right? So the storm were, lost their halfback. And uh, look at the scoreline, right? <laughs> like, you know, 1v2, a huge margin, yeah. right? And, um, you know, and, and this is like, you know, where you know, I think for the past few years, we've we've sort of seen a little bit of a drop in, like, I don't think people have realised how important the halfback is. And I think it's really showing um, now because if you look at it, you know, uh, Nathan Cleary is basically the best halfback in the competition. You'd say that Jerome uh, Hughes is probably number two, but he was out for this game. Number three. Um, you know, uh, Reynolds, and you could even put Chad Townsend in it, right? And Cowboys are in third. The Broncos are equal fourth. I mean, uh, you know, uh, their four and against is not as good as some of the other teams. Um, you know, Moses has been very strong as well, uh, a halfback as well. So, you know, and then you look at the teams that are struggling, and typically they're struggling uh, due to their halfback, right? You know, the, the Knights look <laughs> lost their halfback, the Titans got rid of their halfback last year and 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 they've they've sort of fallen so it just just goes to show how important it is to have the 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 you know the general in charge of the troops uh on the field you know uh, calling the directions calling the plays uh being able to um you know uh you know not necessarily assisting in all the tries but certainly you know um you know organizing the sets so you've got as many opportunities to to try and attack, and then you know directing where the attack goes. Like I think I think you could see that, and yeah, and look, Adam Reynolds, uh, he's been playing the best football I think of his career. Uh, I don't remember him having such a huge impact on the scoreline for the Rabbitohs as much as he's having for the Broncos, um, and that <laughs> that's kind of amazing. And it's interesting how. I suppose it's not as good the Rabbitohs look without him. Um, you know, maybe like yeah, it's it, it it's a it's a it's a great uh, it's a great storyline, isn't it? Rabbitohs, uh, Broncos, how they're sort of traveling. But um, what a great Magic yeah. Round, and uh, you know, Magic Round's going to be back in Queensland next year uh, in Brisbane. Look, I I do want to go and see. Like you know, I probably you know uh, it might be the last time it's up there. So I mean, I don't know. It feels like they're going to have it forever now because everybody's talking about how good it was. I do want to go there, but I, I just feel that we're missing an opportunity as a game to grow the game 
by just keeping it at um, the one venue forever now. Like, um, what are your thoughts on that, Dr. C? Yeah, that's a good point. I was going to sort of say, look, as far as magic rounds go, it was a great magic round, but now I guess the question is, do we keep the magic in the one place or do we spread the magic around? Mm. And and I think there's been a lot of talk about that. Look, Queensland government, obviously, it's a cash cow, so they want them to they want to keep it uh, there, which is fair enough, but I think the NRL has to look more strategically, and I think this is the kind of thing. Now you've developed another product, another idea mm. of having everything in the one ground. Uh, and and as I've said before, I think what they need to do, the NRL, is really take the idea of a magic round to its its ultimate kind of extreme conclusion, which is, you know, make it a true kind of travelling carnival of rugby league, yeah. you know, something that you can take to Perth next next time or wherever mm. and and really sell the game you know the mm. nrl's coming to town everyone magic yeah. the magic of the nrl you know like this so much you could do with it um look yeah nrl please consider don't you, not everything has to be made into a traditional boring you know the, there's a thing about if you do something the same all the time yeah it's like why are you trying to manufacture a tradition when you could actually manufacture an event that exactly. you know the the tradition doesn't need to be static and stay where it is. Yeah, the tradition is the event exactly. and the traveling nature of it. So yeah, all right, look, I would agree with that. I think that's where you're heading with this, but I'll let you have the final word before we move on. What do you think about the magic round? Um, needs to be traveling, needs to be carnival. Yeah. What else do you think about it? Well, well, I don't think tradition necessarily dictates the same place over and over again, right? I think that's more. I don't know religion I don't, i'm not sure but like i think about it, like the olympics have traditions but they're not in greece every week right <laughs> like you know every four years yeah, they, exactly you, you yeah. know so, so so they still carry the traditions they just we just carry them out somewhere else which which makes it a better ce- celebration and you can see how much people get behind it as well um i mean i know it's not going to have the same feel because it's it's more of a yearly thing than a quarterly event but then like you know like uh you know, the Super Bowl gets gets moved around and, you know, like it's it's one of these things where it just makes it a whole lot more exciting, you know, and um, I think that, that they really need to do that. You know, there's another big question and, and it's going to be interesting, but next year there are 17 teams. So, so one team is not going to be able to participate in the Magic Round. <laughs> so the question that's is... That's rough. That is which, rough. Which team should it be? Like, that's... How does the NRL fix that? Uh, like, you know, because, like, uh, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. So, Well, clearly the team with the bye has to organise uh, the after party, <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah. They have to clean up. Uh, maybe, what? maybe, maybe, maybe if you get the wooden spoon, you don't get to play in the magic round the next year. Mm. There's a disincentive. Mm. I mean, you know, it's not a bit, uh, oh, well, what happens if one year, like, you know, a big team like the Broncos gets the, well, bad luck. <laughs> you know, like, that's a, yeah, that's the nature. I think, look, there needs to be some sort of a reward thing. Uh, again, it's only going to be temporary, but look, hopefully we'll get even number of teams. But look, yeah, um, Magic Round, I think it's a great concept. Like I said, we, we say this a lot here on this podcast. <laughs> the NRL needs to really, Think carefully about mm. and market itself well in these situations, especially when it's 
you know, we seem to be quite innovative in creating really great ideas and concepts. You know, in our, you know, in in the life of the NRL in the last ten years, we've seen, you know, all star games, you know, nines, all this sort of. There's a few things that have been either started or have come back as traditions. Easter Monday games, so many products and and events that the NRL has created. It just needs to capitalize on it and mm. and take it to the the nth degree and uh and then i think you'll see that the fans will start flocking back um you know more more than the, than they already have during the pandemic so anyway um let's move on because we've got a lot to talk about yeah tackle number two is about one of the fallouts of the magic round it's about the first coaching casualty of the year trent barrett from the Bulldogs. Here we go. Tackle number two. All right. Tackle number two. Bulldogs have finally made a decision on Trent Barrett's poor form as coach. And he has, well, I don't think he's been fired officially, but he resigned effective mm. immediately earlier this week to and has been just announced today as being replaced by Mick Potter uh, for the rest of the season while they look for an, a long-term uh, ongoing coach. Um, there's been reports in the media that the Bulldogs, uh, I guess he's a football boss or whatever they call it, uh, uh, Phil Gould. Yeah. Head of football. Uh, or is he director yeah. of operations? I don't know what his official term is, but Phil Gould, uh, let me just call him football boss. Mm. Um, that he, uh, there's been speculation that he, that he pushed Barrett out, that he, it was effectively Phil Gould pushing him. You know, we had a couple of weeks ago that incident where Phil Gould angrily took over training, a training session, People thinking, you know, what's going on here? Is that a red red flag, that a sign that something's going on? You know, and then the, the death knell was last week we were talking about this. Phil Gould saying, no, nah, Trent Barrett's going to be there for – he's going to be there longer than I will be at the Bulldogs. And I think that's the new version of the the board is fully supportive of the coach mm. <laughs> because not even a week after some, some of those comments were made by Phil Gould, Barrett is out and look you know there's a lot there's a lot that can be said here but I want to start with the basic one do you think Barrett deserved to stay or do you think the it was the right uh decision whoever's this who's whoever decision it was uh for Trent Barrett to part ways with the Bulldogs Tish over to you uh was this the right decision ultimately well, um, yeah, so the, so was this the right decision? I think it was coming, right? Um, if you look it up, look, because uh, this uh, this statistic has been sort of quoted, uh, misquoted a couple of times, right, the, the actual winning record. But um, I know this last year they uh, played a full 24 rounds, you know, 24, they had a bye, so, yeah, 24 rounds. And I believe he won uh, three games. And this year in... <laughs> In 10 rounds, he's won two games, right? So I think it's five out of 34 um, is, is the number. Because I've heard five out of 35. I heard four out of 34. Like, I'm just, yeah, but, but it's kind of weird how people get this around. So I, th- I think with that type of record, I don't think you would uh, – I don't think you should necessarily – like, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a lock that you're going to have <laughs> – going to sustain your coaching job, uh, unfortunately. Um, and I think – so I think the th- – 
I think it was inevitable what was what was happening, um, particularly since they've had a huge recruitment drive this year, right? Like, you know, they've bought players from Melbourne, they've bought players from Penrith, they've bought um, a whole bunch of players, and a lot of it is off players who want to play for Trent Barrett. Um, and now you've even had um, a player like Brett Naden, who's already signed for the Tigers within 24 hours, and he's and he's named to play against the Bulldogs this weekend, right? Um, you know, like, you know, as soon as this happened, um, because, you know, he's he's not going down with the coach. And he actually sees some of the other players um, from the Bulldogs sort of defending Trent Barrett. But then the problem is they haven't really been sort of playing for him. <laughs> um, they haven't really been giving the AR like, you know, like, um, you know, some players, the actual statistics are way down on what they normally play. So, uh, yeah, so mm. it, it's 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 very hard to get a read on what's exactly happening there, right? And yeah, there are, there is those mixed messages. Um, you know, you know, Barrett quit, but was he under immense pressure to quit? And then you've had uh, you know, you've had people like Braith and to say that look, he knows Trent Barrett, he knows he's never a quitter. You know, he would have been pushed rather than you know, yeah, he was being pushed to resign rather than resign. And you know, the 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 field uh, you know, um you know, phone call, you know, whether it happened or didn't happen or how it happened. We only got one side of it. Like, you know, all these sort of conspiracy theories. Um, but, you know, I kind of I kind of went through it all and, and I just realised that, you know, like at the end of the day, I think, I think Bulldog fans are going to be happy, right? Because um, I know, I know what it feels like to have a team not, you know, having success. <laughs> yeah. A Tigers and, fan knows exactly what the Bulldogs are feeling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I think that um a coach, new coach brings new hope because it means that because because you kind of know that when the coach sort of goes, it's not just the coach going, but there's going to be uh, assistant coaches. There's going to be like different people now at the club who are going to hopefully bring a new culture to it. And and you kind of feel that a, a coach, a new coach is going to have a new impact. Um. So, so I think that's what it is. And I think the fact that they're doing it so early kind of suggests that they really didn't like the direction that Trent – well, the, I mean, if Trent quit or if they made him quit, whatever, it, like it just wasn't the direction that the club needed to go, really. So, yeah. And, you know, I mentioned all those signings that they've had, uh, Dr. T, but as I mentioned in the first tackle, they didn't really sign a halfback, right? They signed all these other great players uh, to work with a great halfback. But I feel like they just – that's the – I mean, it's not the one thing they're missing, but 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 it. I think it plays a part the fact that they don't really have anybody to run the team on the field, you know. So, yes, yeah, that's, and that's, and look, good halfbacks are, good, are hard to come by as well. So that's yeah, yeah, that's another thing. They're very rare. So, but look, I, I think I think uh, yeah. So in summary, I think that look, um, it's happened. How it happened, I don't think we'll ever know. Um, and I think everybody just got to be prepared to move on at the moment. Um, and yeah. look, look, I don't think Phil Gould is a, is a coach killer. Like he wouldn't. He want to come out and support Trent Barrett if he was planning on knifing him. Like put it that way. So I don't think, I don't think it's all Fugle's grand plan to um to get rid of Barrett. Like you know, like like I don't think it's anything like that. I mean, if you recall, uh, and they actually showed footage of this on Channel Nine, um, before he was even at the Bulldogs, Fugle told Trent Barrett it was a bad idea to go on <laughs> on TV. Like. Why are you signing for the Bulldogs trade? It's it's not the right move for you. <laughs> so I'm like, well, if he told him that before he, he even before Phil Gould even joined the Bulldogs, 
then you know it, it's almost like he's become more of a Notre Dame than 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 the kingmaker. That's that's how I feel anyway. But yeah, your thoughts? That's a, yeah. That look that's really observant. I I agree. I think it's. I don't think of this as Phil Gould's plan at all. I think. I think it's just looking at what's in front of them and eventually you're going to have to make a call. If if a coach can't win more than five games in 34 outings, mm. then ability to even get the best out of his players. I mean, I think you could be forgiven if uh, if if you got, you know, informed players that have had name a big name coming in that you've just bought. But it seems you're right that, they're not actually getting better under Barry. If anything, they're getting worse, and mm. um, that's a pretty bad sign that maybe maybe he's not cut out for this. Look, the other thing is online, and I want to ask you very quickly. Online, there's been a lot of positive sentiment towards uh, Trent Barrett, saying, "Well, it's not Trent Barrett that's dropping the ball and missing tackles and whatever." You hear this kind of thing all the time. That it's the players, uh, as you kind of alluded to, the players are the ones that have the control on the field of performances, etc. But and I just wanted you to get a sense from you. What is your reaction to that kind of mm. logic? Um, you know, is is he unfairly to blame for the players not performing well, or is the alternate to that? Uh, logically that well isn't it a coach's job to get the best out of their players um you know including if if they don't appear motivated to do something to motivate them to play well i mean doesn't seem to be a problem with some of the great coaches to get the best out of their players so that's my my argument but what do you what is your reaction to that kind of uh that logic well i mean um we don't uh yeah like the standard that you judge uh, Trent Barrett on is probably the same standard you should be tra- you should be judging um, Craig Bellamy on, <laughs> right? And you know Craig Bellamy, uh, you know he, uh, you know he gets the credit uh, when when they win the grand final, right? Like you sort of um, see the influence and see the change, and you know you see, you have players that um, like uh, like Xavier Coates, for example, uh, he looks like. Uh, a, a origin player since day one, but he didn't look like that last year when he was playing for Brisbane, right? So you actually see a change in the way a player plays by when they move clubs. And, you know, the biggest influence of how the club operates from a rugby league point of view is how the head coach uh, sort of changes things around. Um, you know, like in 2005 when the West Tigers won their, their grand final, I know we sort of lift up the players, but I think, you know, it was part of Tim Sheens's plan, and I heard uh, uh, Laurie Daly actually ask uh, Tim Sheens a very interesting question after that grand final, which was, you know, um, Benji Marshall played five eighth, I played five eighth, but when I joined Canberra, I had to play in the centres for a few years while you were getting the old five eighth out, but then Benji got to play five eighth from day one. What what was the difference? And it was interesting how. And I kind of remember the, exactly what it was, but Tim Sheens knew what Benji needed and what Laurie de- needed to get the best out of him. And I think that's why he's a good coach. So I think that's the thing that 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 it is. So I think the coach, yeah, it is the players dropping the ball. It is the players doing that and everything. But if the players really have a real, uh, I suppose, desire to succeed and a desire to please their coach, and I think the coach is also, um, I think the, I, I think who coaches you. Uh, is really important. I mean, you see that in every sport, right? Like, name one sport where the coach doesn't have a huge impact. I don't think you can, right? Like, um, 
<laughs> like you know, you had like, um, like yeah, like is it a, is it a bit silly that, to think that the NRL is different to any any other sport in the world where the coach always like Sir Alex Ferguson? How many Manchester United Manchester United have not won anything since Alex Ferguson has left? Right, it just happens all the time. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, people on social media can say what they like, but it's uh, yeah, you, sometimes you just got to like live with facts, right, Dr. T? Yeah. All right. And the other, look, just to finish this off, so Mick Potter has been announced as an interim coach, but let's, <laughs> uh, I guess, to round this off, mm. uh, the where to from here, who do you think are in line? Uh, who, who should be favorites okay. to, to take over? Barrett. So we've got, you know, we've heard suggestions. The obvious two that have come up have been Shane Flanagan mm. and Paul Green, uh, both winning coach. They won 2015 and 2016 grand finals, so they know what it takes to win. Um, we've heard Phil Gould say, and, and others say, look, you don't want necessarily a, uh, you want you want a coach that knows how to win, uh, not a, a junior coach. So I think Trent Barrett, you know, someone who's never proven themselves is not really what the Bulldogs need going forward. They need someone who can do the job. Now, there's the, the added problem of Shane Flanagan um, and uh, is it his son, his son Kyle, yeah. Kyle Flanagan? In yeah. the, you know, so there's potential for the you know, the a good old Brad Arthur nepotism there. Um, <laughs> but so that leaves Paul Green. But apparently, Paul Green has. Uh, you know, didn't have the best reputation in terms of man management mm. uh, when he left the Cowboys. And so the other, I guess, I guess the other issue is or potential uh, alternative is Michael Maguire. It's been suggested <laughs> could could come from the Tigers and the Bulldogs and and Flanny, Flanagan could go to uh, to the Tigers or, or whatever. So something like that. Look, there are a lot of options, but yep. quickly, what are your thoughts about who the uh, – potential um you know candidates are yeah uh for next bulldogs coach well phil Gould said something very interesting about this too right he said that um part of the reason why trent barrett has lost his job is because he's not a bulldog he's a dragon <laughs> right and that's why he um failed at manly because he's not an eagle he's a dragon right <laughs> And a oh bulldogs need a bulldog. What is this Game of Thrones? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so Phil Gould did say this, but then you know I thought about it because Andrew Voss kind of uh, said this, like, what if Bellamy decides to join the Bulldogs? Right? Like, are they going to say no to that? Like, of course not, right? You know. So yeah. So so and then so yeah. So the thing is, there is also I think James Graham is the one that sort of brought out. Well, it doesn't have to be a like who says it has to be a coach that doesn't already have a gig at the moment. Right. And then you start to hear about my, Michael Maguire, but I think it's coming from cynicism only because, uh, you know, Ivan Cleary was the Tigers coach when Anthony Griffin got the sack by the Panthers when Phil Gould was the head of football there. Right. And then they mm. took the tight. Yes. Yeah, so I think it's, I think it's more a bit of a cynical approach to that. I don't think it's real. Um, the person that look, there's only, okay. So, so, no, we have we don't know who's applied, but I've got to give raps to the person who actually has put his hand up to take the team on. And and like I kid you not, because 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 like when I heard this, uh, I, like first I start like I, I gave a big like I cracked up laughing, but then I just absolutely loved it. But the person who's actually put his hand up is actually Anthony Mundine. 
What? Are you serious? Yeah, and he cited the fact that he's coached an under sevens team and an under eights team. Um, but wow. yeah, but I thought about this. You know, he's a very well connected guy, Anthony, and you know he's he's done a transformation. He's gone from one sport to another. Sometimes you look at the Bulldogs and you feel like they're playing with a different set of rules. They're almost playing a different sport out there, <laughs> right? So you need somebody who knows how to go from rugby league to boxing and then back to rugby league. And I think Anthony, I just think like, if you are going to give a rookie coach, maybe Anthony is the way, but look, um, in all seriousness, I think it's either going to be Flanagan green. I think it's going to be up against them too. I don't really have an issue with Shane Flanagan, but the only issue I have with Shane Flanagan is that, um, you know, if they ever get rid of Madge, I do want Flanagan at the Tigers. I I really rate him. Like, even even when um, you hear him commentate, you know, he picks up on things um, that is, like, phenomenal. Uh, like, I just remember, you know, there was a try. There was a game last year, and it was a Tigers game, but, you know, the Tigers led in a try. And then he actually, in the commentary, commentary he said something like, you know, they didn't, that you know the yeah you know, the other team didn't score uh, because they missed the tackle on the try line. The Tigers, they actually that the reason why this try was scored was actually three plays back when the Tigers missed their opportunity of of ending the set well, right? So I was like, wow, like he he's thinking about it like three moves ahead, right? Like so, I think Shane Flanagan is is the best. I understand the issues with Carl. Uh, Kyle, but I think Kyle was at the Sharks and um, he didn't get a go at the Sharks. So I don't think Shane's going to really care about that that much, to be fair. I don't think it's going to be a Brad Arth. Look, look, to be fair, like Parramatta, yeah, they did it once or twice, but they're still on top in the ladder stakes, right? Pender have the same situation. They're like leading the competition. I don't think it's a huge issue. All right. So final word. If you had the the chance to be kingmaker, who would you choose to be Bulldogs oh, coach? I think Shane Flanagan. I think, well, like yeah, I, I don't really like the Bulldogs, but I'm. But if I was a Bulldogs fan and a Bulldogs kingmaker, I would. If I had to make the choice, I, I I think Flanagan straight out. I just think he's there. You know, I mean, he's already done the same thing at the Sharks. I mean, where were the Sharks when he took them over? Right, they were like, they weren't traveling that well, and then within within his tenure, he got into win the grand final. I understand that he, they probably got some synthetic help, but they still did it right. So, yeah. Well, that's the, that's the thing I would say if he did, if there wasn't that cloud over him, uh, I would say he would easily be the front runner. Uh, You're right. Because of what he did at Cronulla and he's kind of, he acts like a bulldogs coach. You know what I mean? Like, I think he's, (laughs) he, he can come. Yeah. He looks like a bulldog. Like put it that way. Um, whereas, whereas I think I think Paul Green looks more like a Chihuahua. So I don't. <laughs> yeah. I think this will never work. This will never work for that reason only. So, so, um, so, so what about yourself, Doctor T? Who do you think is the man to take over? Look very quickly. I I think I, I kind of tend to agree, and I think you've made a convincing argument that Shane Flanagan is probably the best option. Um, you know, he's still got what it takes, I think. Uh, and I don't think he's left much. I don't know if there's bad blood between him and the Sharks in terms of, um, you know, he, he's, he hasn't reduced his value in the market, let's say, compared to, say, a Paul Green, who potentially has with the way he left 
uh, and and the rumors around the way he sort of uh, the the lost the dressing room kind of thing, whereas mm. Shane Flanagan has not had that at all, as far as yeah. I know. The other two options, and very quickly, I'll just finish off. Is you know people have said Jim Dimmick, Dean Pay didn't get much of a go. I don't think those Terry are Lamb. really going to work. Yeah, I think I think Shane Flanagan. Shane Flanagan, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I think Shane Flanagan. That's my final one. Unless All they right, get, let's... unless they get like a like somebody from another club that's already like if they get Brad Arthur, which I don't, or Rob Robs Robinson, but I don't think they'll get them. No, no, no. I think Flanagan. Uh, but yeah. All right, let's move on to the next tackle. Tackle number three, uh, continuing the theme of uh, the Bulldogs, uh, there is another news story that's come out of the Bulldogs, and this time it's about the way the media has been uh, treating the the players, really. Um, so, you know, under strict instructions not to talk to the media, most of the Bulldogs players uh, in this tense time uh, were adhering to that, but one player couldn't help himself as he left the Bulldogs headquarters in Belmore this week. Paul Vaughan was said to retort to the media contingent present, uh, quote, do you have to? You are the worst kind of people. <laughs> and uh, that kind of comment has sparked the the greatest coordinated retaliation from journalists <laughs> you've ever seen. Some have been very quick, as I said, penning articles immediately slamming Vaughan for his past behaviour and toxic attitude. Now, you remember that last year, uh, you know, Paul Vaughan was kind of busted for breaching COVID, the COVID, uh, the quite strict COVID protocols for the NRL players by hosting a barbecue with uh, with his team, um, you know, still within the bubble, but still breaking the rules. And so uh, the media was very quick to point out and to remind people that uh, Paul Vaughan has had previous indiscretions. Um, now, Tish, look, again, online, the sentiment has been uh, in in these, uh, especially some articles written by Fox Sport people in Fox Sports, etc. Um, it's not just you know print journalists; it's also those on uh, for, on NRL three hundred and sixty and others uh, that have blasted Paul Vaughan. And I guess the question is: Has the media response proven Vaughan to be right? Um, you know, there's been I think there's been speculation as well. Potentially, they've hounded him. You know, at his house, and and he's got kids as well. It's just really off-putting the way that the journalists have have been very, uh, you know, hounding him. And it, and have they proven him right, Tish? It's the media versus Paul Vaughan. What do you think? Yeah, well, um, I I believe he was instructed not to talk to the media, right? And on his way driving out, because <laughs> he was told uh, that they weren't training till Wednesday, right? even though they've got a game on Friday, which, which is also a bit crazy because they didn't have a coach, right? So they had to find a coach. So, and then, and then within moments that, yeah, do, uh, do you really, do you have to, I think it was like, do you have to be here? You are the worst kind of people, right? Is, is what he said. Yeah, that's and, what he said, yeah. Yeah, and I think Andrew Voss had a good comment. It was like, do you have to be here? That's probably what he should have been asking his his uh, Dragons teammates <laughs> when they're coming into his barbecue, right? <laughs> You know, and uh, so so yeah. So I think, look, I think he brings it on on himself. Look, I do get it. Look, I, I think the media they, they certainly look. They're in for a story, right? They're they're trying to give us 
uh, insight. And they're trying to give us insight in a lot of times when, um, when, when, like you know, the 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 passionate fans who pay the tickets, who you know contribute to the uh, subscribership, who are the members, who are the people, uh, you know, betting on games, right? Uh, you know, we don't get the information, so the journalists are there to try and get the information. Now they they do put their own spin and they do put their own opinion on it and all that kind of stuff. But if you could sort of wash that away, in the end, they are doing a service for us. And uh, isn't isn't that a isn't that a pillar of democracy there, Paul Vaughan? Like, do you really want us to be a a, a state where we don't have a free press? So uh, look, I say uh, yeah. Um, yeah, like you know, like let, let, let's uh, let's let's have media censorship like China there, Paul Vaughan. If that's what you really want, I don't think I didn't. No. Tish, Tish, you're going you're going <laughs> off here. <laughs> okay, look, right, sorry. Okay, let me come let me come in and be probably the voice of reason here. <laughs> okay, I'm not right. sure. Look, I think what he's getting at is that the media they they're like vultures, and okay. I think he's trying to sort of say, look. It's already stressful enough at this club. There's a lot of emotion with, you know, we heard from the the, the story around Gould and the phone call with Trent Barrett and how Trent Barrett poured his heart out to him. And, you know, it's quite emotional. Clearly, some of the players, as you said, you know, they went there to play with, uh, you know, under Barrett as coach. And now all of a sudden he's been pushed out or, you know, whether he jumped or was pushed, we're not really sure. Um, needless to say, uh, everyone's under a lot of stress. They haven't been winning either. It hasn't been happy times there at the Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. And and I think Vaughan was, you know, made an emotional comment, a reaction to the way that the media vultures were circling. And, you know, in, in a, in, in a, like I said, he couldn't help himself, made a comment even though they were under instructions not to say anything for this very reason, because again, the fact that there were instructions to not talk, it's be, it's proven now why they were told that. Because any little thing, mm. any little comment, which which by the way, in and of itself, the comment it was, I would think, regardless of whether it was Vaughn saying it, uh, you know, he of the organised COVID breach barbecue, yeah, <laughs> versus versus it could have been Mother Teresa saying it. I mean, let's look, play the ball, not the man. Um, is what his comment said correct and accurate? And yes, I think so. I okay. think it, it was reflective of an anger against a lot of the, uh, yeah, the, the journalists, especially in rugby league, especially in Australia and Sydney, where they're just, uh, they're particularly sensationalist and they don't really care about the people at the other end and the the damage that they're causing and the stress that they're putting them under. This, you know, we're talking about a coach is about to lose his job and uh, and players that are in the firing line, and it's not happy times. This is not the time to start playing, you know, paparazzi and and you know, really infringing on people's privacy and that kind of thing. So. Look, I kind of tend to agree, and I think most of the people that I've seen online have responded to this are on Paul Vaughan's side. Having said that, there's a majority, you know, not majority, but there's a number of them that are also saying, you know, of all people to be talking, it shouldn't be Paul Vaughan. Uh, but I still think the message applies. So, Tish, I'll give you the final word and then we'll move on. Yeah. Well, um, do you have to be here? 
the answer is actually yes, <laughs> they did, because it was the Bulldogs who called off the media session last minute, right? And these journalists, you know, the papers they work for, they're invited to these media conferences. So he's totally wrong. Like, you know, he's totally like, you know, like they're doing their job too, you know? So, and, and, uh, and, <laughs> And uh, maybe Paul needs to focus on. I mean, this is a guy that's uh, a front rower and doing less than 100 uh, meters per game at the moment, right? And, you know, big star signing. He was, you know, like, yeah, oh, look, I understand he has a family, he has this, and sometimes I mean, yeah, look, I do get all that, right? But I think, I think for this particular instance, I don't think, um, yeah, look, I, I don't think that that uh, that that he was. Yeah, it was an emotional response, but I, but I think, I, yeah, look, he probably shouldn't be attacked like he's being attacked, right? I think <laughs> that's 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 the truth too. But but I kind of think that he brought it all on his own. He just hit like it was just. Look, I get it. I've said the wrong thing in the wrong time as well. You know, just thirty seconds of just like wind the window up and drive off, right? <laughs> So we got to do, yeah, it, right? yeah. Just, but just, just look away, look just, away, just look away. I think, I think, yeah. And if, uh, yeah, if if somebody could help him through that, you know, you, you know what? This is where, this is where the, um, you know, when people put the put the clothes over people's heads as as they're running out of a place, <laughs> like <laughs> he needs a, he needs a blazer. He needs a blazer that he can just you know lift behind and put his face behind it. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. This, yeah, that's that's what he needs. And um, look, if anything, I mean, look, hopefully not this week. I, look, I hope they don't turn their phone around because they are playing the Tigers. But hopefully the week after, I don't know who they're playing, but <laughs> whoever they're playing, let's hope that Paul Vaughan, he, unlike questioning if other people should be doing their job, maybe he should do his job. And actually, try and win a game for the Bulldogs, right? Because it just—it doesn't seem like uh, it doesn't seem like the efforts there, unfortunately. And I think a lot of Bulldogs uh, fans probably agree with me as well. Yeah, well, as I said, I think the sentiment was: Why is Trent Barrett getting uh, axed when it's the players that are missing tackles? They're the ones that should be doing their job. Uh, yeah, interesting scenario. All right, let's move on to NRL expansion out west. Tackle number four. Here we go. All right. So it has been rumored this week that the Bears could be returning from hibernation in Perth, of all places. So reports are that North Sydney Bears, uh, there has been a... uh, no, you know, they, they could be returning to the NRL, but not as their current form as Central Coast Bears, but in a merged entity with the Western Australian NRL bidding team, uh, which, you know, in its previous incarnation, you know, we've heard West Coast Pirates as a possible franchise name, but I don't know where they're at at the moment. But anyway, there's been, there's a rumour that there's been a contact between the WA team wanting to talk to the Central Coast Bears in a possible merger or North Sydney Bears in a possible merger to bring, you know, to bring some tradition to keep the Bears alive and uh, and to, to sort of use their tradition as a way to springboard into the NRL. Tish, uh, what are your thoughts on this? Is it a good idea? Um, a lot of people say, no, we need a team from scratch in Perth. The Perth team, the Perth um 
you know, fans aren't going to buy it, that kind of thing. Uh, what are your thoughts? Is this a good idea? Okay, well, I think it's a great idea, right? Uh, because from what I've heard um, is that it is actually uh, the consortium that is trying to get the 18th NRL licence is actually led by the WA government um, and, and Mark McGowan is actually personally involved in this. Um, but the WA Minister for Sport, David Templeton uh, and Peter Bukamp, have actually met with um, some people who own the North Sydney Bears sort of group um, to ask whether they can actually put the Bears in as a bid and even have the same uh, logo and jersey, right, um, to put the official bid in. Um, Peter Verlandes said, has, I think, has said that the decision for where the 18th team is going to be, they don't, they don't want to be just on emotion. Um, there's got to be like, it's got to make financial sense, and it's got to be something where uh, the it doesn't affect sort of the the sponsorship and and revenue that uh, you know other clubs are like you know sort of experience. Um, so and and to give you a sort of an example of that so the, the dolphins have a major sponsor which is i believe some sort of camping company and this camping company had never previously had sponsorship in the NRL so the fact that the dolphins are bringing in a new sponsor bringing in new revenue into the NRL that kind of really strengthened the reason why they got that 18th license the fact that sort of you know the money that's going to be the north or the, the Bears are going to bring, the Western Bears are going to bring um, with, with uh, the WA government and sort of WA entities in sponsorships and stuff like this. Um, I think by the time they get all the paperwork done, I have a feeling that this is going to be a very strong bid. And it's, I think it's going to, uh, look, I, I think Dr. C, um, I, think it's, I think it's likely. I think if, if, they could, if they could get everything sorted out, um, I think this is a really good idea and it's a really good thing. Um, they've even talked about uh, four games uh, at North Sydney Oval, three to four games at North Sydney Oval, and the rest to be played at a rectangular stadium, uh, you know, in, in Perth. Um, so, yeah. So, I think it's uh, I think it's a real possibility. Um, it'd be great to see the Bears back in, in whatever shape or form. I think, I think most people who support the Bears realise that it's not going to be uh, a New South Wales-led a place it's going to have to exist outside of um, you know this state. So, and I think this is the best option for them. And uh, you know, it almost takes the NRL back to 1995, right? You know, you've got the the you know the second Queensland te- like you know the second sort of South Queensland team um, now with the Dolphins in there. You've got the Perth uh, entity, and then you've got Matt. Well, you've all got you've also got Melbourne, which you didn't have before. So, I think it's uh, I think it's really strong. How about your thoughts? Yeah, um, look, and yeah, well, obviously some differences there. We didn't have Adelaide and et cetera, but look, that's maybe in the future. Look, I think, look, I, I'm I'm for the idea of bringing the Bears back. I think it's a nice way to kind of provide some closure to a, a massive fan base that was completely left in a lurch, um, you know, and... Look, regardless of we, – we can never go back to having a North Shore presence in Sydney because it's just – there's already too many teams in New South Wales. It's just not going to happen. So the best alternative is to bring them back in another incarnation 
And, you know, since Perth is is available and they're willing to get them, they're trying to get that next license, um, it's a very strong bid regardless. So the chances of the Bears, you know, hooking onto this gravy train and getting back into the NRL are going to be strong if they if they do this. Um, the bit that I'm a bit hesitant of is all the talk about the splitting and sharing of home games between North Sydney Oval and and you know all that kind of stuff. That's that's where it gets me a bit confused. And Tish, as a Tigers fan. Uh, given that we've spoken about this before, I think you would be particularly um, sensitive to this issue of having home games split. You know, you, what you end up doing is having a fan base and a team that is a little bit homeless, you know, that they, they're, they're kind of mm. in multiple share houses. They're not really living in a home. Um, the Tigers obviously have this problem with, you know, are they committing to Southwest Sydney, the MacArthur region or not? You know, or are they still talking about Leichhardt, you know, and we're going to have this problem with Perth and and North Sydney and potentially Central Coast as well. Um, is there, you know, what's the balance? I think there needs to be a balance. I think I'm okay with retaining that tradition uh, and, and the link to the North Sydney Bears and the region. And potentially what I'm suggesting is, you know, rather than the three or four games, maybe all you need is one. Maybe pick one kind of rivalry and and have that as the game in that traditional space you know make it north sydney versus manly um make that make that the rivalry game and then and that can be hosted that doesn't need to be hosted in perth it could be absolutely amazing if it was hosted in north sydney oval um equally if you wanted to do the central coast thing do that when you play newcastle for instance um, you know, it, it's geographically close to Newcastle. It makes sense uh, as a halfway between a North Sydney and a Newcastle. You know, again, that's only two games. I think if the balance is two games in, you know, a, a year outside of Perth and the rest in Perth to allow you to actually build the game, the game there, I think that would be ideal. Uh, but, yeah, that, that worries me a bit, this whole splitting of things, because it's, we've seen it hasn't really worked at the Tigers and it causes a bit of an identity crisis. The last thing you want is for a new team in Perth to have an identity crisis. It needs to, it needs to hit the ground running as, uh, as the Bears. Now, now Tish, to, to round it off, are we happy with Perth Bears as the name, West Coast Bears? Western Bears, what do you think? What, what are the options that you would choose if this were going ahead? Mm. Yeah, well, uh, it's re- it's really tough here because because uh, you're thinking of uh, per- yeah, Perth Bears, uh, Western Bears, yeah, WA. I think I think uh, the, the thing is like you don't really see like the bear itself is not really uh, a coastal type of animal, is it? Right, you know, it's more of a it's more of a out in the like yeah, that's the thing. It's not really a like uh, you know. It's more of a sort of you know, because when when, it, when I think WA and and apologies for people listening in WA, I just think of like dirt, <laughs> right? Like like lots of desert. So like camels <laughs> makes more sense than bears. That's how I feel anyway. I don't know how you feel about that, Doctor T. So so that's why I'm thinking like the animal doesn't really make sense to the area, but you know if 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 I'm if I'm pressed, I'm probably going to say 
I'm going to say the Kalgoorlie Golden Bears for me. Okay. Look, I don't know. I think I think it needs to just stick with the Bears. I think it's fine that that it's not. Oh you know, wow! So I you're mean, doing the uh, the just the Dolphins, no Redcliffe, right? No, I no no no. Sorry, I don't mean just. Uh, what I mean yeah. is the the Bears. I don't think we need to embellish it and call them the uh, you know the the West Coast uh, Coastal Bears or something. You know, mm. it doesn't. It it's a bear. Keep it as the Bears, but then in terms of location, I think West Coast makes sense. I think if they if they think Perth, it requires to be called Perth Bears, it doesn't roll off the tongue very nicely, but, you know, doesn't have to. Um, in terms of the mascot not fitting the area, I mean, look, when's the last time you saw in Balmain a tiger walking yeah, around? You know, like there's not, <laughs> not going to be an issue, true. I think. But um, look, I, look, I think it's fair to say in summary that we both are supportive of this. I do want to see the Bears back in the NRL. I think that would be great. It's unfortunate they can't be back in their traditional home ground and that the only way is for them to enter into the premiership again via a new geographically new area or newish area, Perth. Mm. Um, I think, you know, it's uh, there's probably a little bit to be worked through to get the marketing right, but I think I like the idea that that the merger was going is going to require the Bears to not change anything about their colours and to use the same logo. I think that's amazing. I think that's, uh, you know, Bears fans would love that. Mm. And and here's the thing. We've spoken about this before. Money is important here in this context, as you just mentioned earlier. Um, look, if you get the North, the, the North Sydney Bears fans in North Sydney where a lot of the money resides and a lot of business resides mm. uh, on board, you could potentially get yourself, you know, connected to a, an, a, an untapped resource of finances yeah. that you wouldn't get otherwise. And I think the the nice thing to do is to just say, well, you want the bears back? We're giving you the bears, but they, their home is now Perth. They've evolved. They've moved on to a different area. But if you want to be connected, North Sydney fans, uh, to to the Bears, uh, we're gonna we're not gonna muck around with the logo and get you offside. We're gonna keep the same thing. Um, and what you'll see is fans turning up to that one game a year against Manly at North Sydney Oval with their old North Sydney Bears jerseys. Wouldn't it be great? You know, um, introducing a whole new generation of uh, North Sydney kids to uh, to to Perth. <laughs> basically, to yeah. a new team. So, yeah, look, we're supportive. I think, uh, like I said, I think they need to think carefully about some of the consequences of their decisions, but um, especially around splitting of the games, uh, the home grounds. But, yeah, very, very supportive of it. All right, let's move on to tackle number five. This is about Celebrity Apprentice. Here we go. Five. Tish, what's happening? Why are we talking Celebrity Apprentice on a rugby league podcast? Okay, well, first off, the first reason why we're talking about it is because all bets are off for this year's Celebrity Apprentice Australia. It's actually kicking off this Sunday, uh, 7 p.m. on Channel 9, right? Um, and it's going to feature not one, but two former NRL players. Uh, the first one I'll introduce is Aloni Vinokeke, 
and you're like, who? <laughs> right. But he's a former, uh, I believe he played for Parramatta as well, but he, I know that he was a rooster, uh, but he's a you know Fijian international, um, retired from the game a few years ago and has been, you know, he's been on, um, you know, what's what's that show now? The Ninja Warrior a couple of times. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so he's a celebrity, but I think the big name that that the celebrity apprentice has got is none other than probably the next immortal, Benji Marshall. So wow, Benji Marshall. And uh, look, I've been watching the footy, and what I've noticed every time I watch Channel Nine, every time I watch The Apprentice, the featured celebrity, right, is Benji Marshall. So I think the show is actually riding on Benji. There's more footage of Benji Marshall than Sir Alan Sugar, who is the actual person trying to hire, right? <laughs> so, so yeah. So I think it, I think it's big. It's, it's kind of really interesting because I, I know Benji's, uh, you know, he's already commentating for Fox, and um, you know, and he's he's also uh, I think he's got his even his own show on Fox, um, you know, as well. Oh yeah, it's just he, called Benji. Yeah, it's just called Benji, and now he's on. Yeah, now he's on Channel Nine, right? Sort of the rival. Um, which is, which is, you know, super interesting, you know, uh, there are, when you go through the other celebrities, you're like, um, yeah, you're trying to figure out who, who where you, <laughs> you know them from. Um, but there are a couple of like Samantha Jade, I think, I think people know who, who she is. And, um, Vince Colosimo is pretty, you know, I think he's obviously a big name as well that, that they've got, wow. you know, some, some former uh, contestants of the block. As well, and uh, yeah, and I, but but but, and I think they've got a former Olympic swimmer as well. Um, you know, uh, I'm trying to yeah, I'm trying to figure out who that one is, but yeah, but I think it's going to be exciting. Doctor T, what do you think is? Oh yeah, Bronte Campbell is the uh, world-breaking Olympic swimmer who's also going to be on on the show. So, but Doctor T, I'm going to ask you, what do you think? How is Benji as a businessman? Do you think he is going to be the next Trump? When it comes to The Apprentice, uh, no, <laughs> no, I don't think <laughs> he is not that style of a person or a player. I do think, though, he is quite an intelligent. Uh, he would be, you know, he's got one of the things. He had such an incredible footballing brain. He sees what's in front of him and he reacts with instinct. And I think to have someone that that's if he's able to translate to the business world those skills of having the ability to kind of handle what's in front of you using your intelligence but also using your gut instinct in terms of telling you what's right and what decision to make depending on what's in front of you i think you know benji this benji is made for this kind of you know business uh kind of cutthroat show um, because I think, as I said, I think he's intelligent, he's good with people, um, uh, you know, very well-respected leader in his team. Uh, and, you know, look, he, his ability to kind of uh, take on what's in front of him and, and play, the, play what's in front of him is, uh, I think that's, yeah, like I said, those are the important skills that he can bring. I'm trying to think of how do you, how do you convey a flick pass in in business terms you can't really so it's just i can't really i can't really think of it. how do you what is the business version of a flick class i don't know mm. but all i know is that benji is respected he's got a good footballing brain uh and and he's able to use that intelligence to kind of assess a situation and solve problems i think he's uh he's the ideal candidate having said that he'll probably get knocked out first so i don't know <laughs> yeah. i have no idea 
Yeah. Well, look, I'm, I'm just trying to look it up because what I do now, one of his best mates in rugby league uh, is a serial entrepreneur, uh, and that is Robbie Farah, right? So, um, you know, Robbie Farah, uh, you know, he, uh, Alibaba launched the Robbie Farah Kebab, if you remember all those years ago. And I think he had his own franchise going uh, as well. And he also wow. is the, uh, he's the, uh, look, I'm just actually on his LinkedIn. Um, you know, he's the co-founder of 24-7 events for the last five years. He has worked for On Solar Australia. Um, so, yeah, so a couple of companies from Robbie. I wonder if he's going to make a cameo, actually, uh, in the show, because I think, you know, when the chips are down, you know, he could call his old mate Robbie, go, Robbie, I need some business advice. You know, what do you think you should do? You know, and then, you know, and then the, these guys can do it. But look, yeah, look, uh, it'd be interesting to see how he goes. I think he definitely, like, he thrives in a team environment, Robbie. Uh, sorry, Benji, right? So, and I think, and the thing about uh, Benji Marshall is that um, he's a quite a well-known figure. Like, you know, he's one of these guys that uh, people have heard of him, even if they're not a, a huge rugby league fan. Um, they all know who Benji Marshall is. And... I really believe that, you know, uh, if he could, he's the type of character that can, I think he could do well in other forms of media as well if he gave it a go. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I don't know if that's what he wants to do, but, you know, I'll look, I'd, I'd go watch him in a Marvel movie. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just putting it out there, Marvel. I think you got a great guy, like, you know, that you could use it for that. So, but yeah, but look, uh, all the best to this. It's going to be, look, this is a. Uh, oh, it's going to be exciting. It, it is, it is. And um, yeah, let's let's hope he lasts more than a week. And Vuna Keke, I have no idea how he's going to go, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. And look, there's probably no truth to the rumor that Trent Barrett will make an appearance <laughs> in the first episode. That's uh, actually. Th- that's actually the first challenge, ha- turning <laughs> around the Bulldogs, right? It's, uh, yeah, look, let's just put, it's not Gus Gould's fault. It's uh, Alan Sugar's, it uh, was the one that fired him. Uh, that's that's <laughs> what it boils down to. No, look, well done, uh, Benji. Hopefully, uh, hopefully he gets through. All the best. And also, Iloni Vunakeki will, uh, no doubt, I saw him flexing his pecs in uh you know the rock style in the in the ads that'll be very interesting so well done uh looking forward to that uh all right let's go with our final tackle our round 11 tips here we go all right so last round we both got five out of eight and bring in our total so far to 52 uh, points so far this year. So neck and neck still. Let's see if this round one of us breaks away. Here we go. Let's launch into it. Knights versus Broncos, the Thursday night game. I'm tipping the Broncos. Yeah, I am also tipping the Broncos. Tigers v Bulldogs, uh, I think the Tigers, uh, look, there's always a danger that teams that lose their coach almost always, you know, improve their performance. I don't think this will happen this time. I think the Tigers will win. Yeah, I'm going to go for the Tigers, but I I really hope they turn up for this game, yeah. And Eels and Manly, look, both uh, took a bit of a setback last week, but the Eels... Not so much compared to Manly. I think uh, Manly are going to be find it really hard to 
play against a Parramatta Eels team that is is has really you know is smarting from that that tough loss to the Roosters, especially after they've beaten Storm and Panthers this year. So I think the Eels are on a warpath now. I think they'll start their climb up the ladder again. Uh, Eels for mine. Yeah, look, I'm also going to tip the Eels. I feel like with the Eels, it was just sort of not the best week. But I think mainly their issues are with injuries as well. So I think Tommy's not at 100%. So I feel like uh, Manly's got bigger problems at the moment, so I want to be the Eels. Yeah. Dragons versus Warriors. And look, I've been impressed with the the fight that the Warriors have, have, uh, have shown this year in several games where they've lost they could have easily have won. And I think the fact that they, they're they kind of competitive enough will tell me that against the Dragons, uh, probably fair to say one of the, the lower-ranked teams this year, I think they'll pull off a bit of an upset. So Warriors will win this one, I think. Yeah, I'm going to tip the Dragons. I feel like the Dragons uh, have been playing well and um, they've won sort of three out of their last four type, type sort of scenario. So... Um, I think they could they could pull it off against the Warriors. That, it's a game they they'll need to win if they want to move up up in the rankings. All right, Cowboys versus Storm. I'm going to tip an upset here. The Cowboys are at home, but that's not the reason. I think the Cowboys are really starting to put things together, and I think the Storm. Look, I know that you know they took a hit against the Panthers. They'll probably bounce back, but I'm I've got the feeling that the Cowboys all. Uh, will have got the wood on the storm and uh, will, yeah, will put them to the sword. So, Cowboys for mine. Look, I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys won, but I'm going to tip the storm in this one. Um, yeah, look, the, the Cowboys were really impressive against the Tigers. I know the Tigers are, are, are not a well-earned team, but some of the tries, including the one where he uh, flicked it while he was going over the sideline, was, was absolutely amazing. And um, they're on point. What I really liked is Scott Drinkwater, um, you know, he he broke down why they won because they were like, you know, he, 48 seconds quicker than the Tigers when it came to their when it comes to their ruck speed. So the fact that the players actually know that um, kind of suggests what type of coaching they're getting at the moment. So that's why I think they're a really good scientific team. But I think I think Melbourne is just Melbourne and and that they will take this one out. All right, Panthers and uh, hang on. Where is it? Roosters, Roosters and Panthers. Yeah, one versus one. Roosters and Panthers. I think, yeah, the battle of the uh, Freddie Fittler Cup. Mm. And look, I reckon the Panthers, they're, they're just completely on fire at the moment. Um, I think they'll easily take this one out. Yeah, look, I'm going to also tip the Panthers. I think um, I think the, the loss to Parramatta woke them up a little bit. And I don't think the, the Roosters are, are, are like improving, but I don't think they're at the level yet that they're going to be towards the end of the year. All right, Rabbitohs versus Raiders. And look, I was impressed last outing with the Raiders. I think they're starting to piece things together. The Rabbitohs look like a rabble. <laughs> so, I, you know, they, they had it in the bag. They almost lost it against the Warriors. But I think the Raiders are showing a lot more promise. So I think they're going to start their climb up the ladder now. Raiders for mine. Yeah, I think it was just because the Sharks didn't play that well that the Raiders won. So I'm going to tip the <laughs> Rabbitohs. Uh, I, I, I think, yeah, like I think I think the Rabbitohs are not as good as what they were last year. So, but if you base them on this year's performance, they should be able to beat the Rabbitohs. 
I mean, the, the Raiders. The Raiders, yeah. Look, finally, speaking of Sharks, the Sharks have a chance to make amends against the Titans. Uh, and I think they will. I think if Nico's back at halfback, I think they're, they're going to get back to the rhythm that they had earlier. And I think uh, the Titans will actually put up a good fight. This will probably be match of the round, I think. I think it'll be a close one. But it's a Sunday afternoon game at Seabus Super Stadium. Sharks for mine. Mm. Well, look, beach lifestyle uh, in abundance here with these two teams. I'm going to tip. Yeah, I'm going to tip the Sharks. I think the Sharks are specials for this game. And, uh, yeah, the Titans not looking that well this year. But, uh, yeah, but, yeah, but, uh, but, but, yeah, Sharks for me. No worries. All right. Well, that wraps up our tips and our podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Takes Tish for our epic discussion of some really big things happening in the NRL world this week. Uh, and look, as usual, check us out on ROrepublic.com, uh, yeah, on Facebook, Twitter, etc. Check us out there and uh, send us an email at ROrepublic uh, at gmail.com if you want to send us your feedback or suggestions for anything you want us to talk about next time. Tish, over to you to wrap this one up. Well, thank you, Dr. T, and I'd like to thank everybody for listening, but that's all the time we have for this edition of the Regular League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.